Epilogue of the Borges of Celebrated Crimes, Volume 1 by Alexandre Dumas, translated by George Burnham Ives. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Borges Epilogue there was once in Paris, says Boccaccio, a brave and good merchant named Jean de Sevigny, who did a great trade in drapery and was connected in business with a neighbor and fellow merchant, a very rich man named Abraham, who, though a Jew, enjoyed a good reputation. Jean de Sevigny, appreciating the qualities of the worthy Israelite, feared lest, good man as he was, his false religion would bring his soul straight to eternal perdition. So he began to urge him gently as a friend to renounce his errors and open his eyes to the Christian faith, which he could see for himself was prospering and spreading day by day, being the only true and good religion, whereas his own creed, it was very plain, was so quickly diminishing that it would soon disappear from the face of the earth. The Jew replied that except in his own religion there was no salvation, that he was born in it, proposed to live and die in it, and that he knew nothing in the world that could change his opinion. Still. In his proselytizing fervor, Jean would not think himself beaten, and never a day passed but he demonstrated with those fair words the merchant uses to seduce a customer the superiority of the Christian religion above the Jewish, and although Abraham was a great master of Mosaic law, he began to enjoy his friend's preaching, either because of the friendship he felt for him or because the Holy Ghost descended upon the tongue of the new apostle. Still obstinate in his own belief, he would not change. The more he persisted in his error, the more excited was Jean about converting him, so that at last, by God's help, being somewhat shaken by his friend's urgency, Abraham one day said, "'Listen, John, since you have it so much at heart that I should be converted, behold me disposed to satisfy you, but before I go to Rome to see him who you call God's vicar on earth, I must study his manner of life and his morals, as also those of his brethren the cardinals, and if as i doubt not they are in harmony with what you preach i will admit that as you have taken such pains to show me your faith is better than mine and i will do as you desire but if it should prove otherwise i shall remain a jew as i was before for it is not worth while at my age to change my belief for a worse one jean was very sad when he heard these words and he said mournfully to himself now i have lost my time and pains which i thought i had spent so well when i was hoping to convert this unhappy abraham for if he unfortunately goes as he says he will to the court of rome and there sees the shameful life led by the servants of the church instead of becoming a christian the jew will be more of a jew than ever then turning to abraham he said ah my friend why do you wish to incur such fatigue and expense by going to rome besides the fact that traveling by sea or by land must be very dangerous for so rich a man as you are. Do you suppose there is no one here to baptize you? If you have any doubts concerning the faith, I have expounded where better than here will you find theologians capable of contending with them and delaying them. So you see, this voyage seems to me quite unnecessary. Just imagine that the priests there are such as you see here, and all the better in that they are nearer to the supreme pastor." If you are guided by my advice, you will postpone this toil till you have committed some grave sin and need absolution. Then you and I will go together. But the Jew replied, I believe, dear Jean, that everything is as you tell me, but you know how obstinate I am. I will go to Rome or I will never be a Christian. Then Jean, seeing his great wish, resolved that it was no use trying to thwart him and wished him good luck, but in his heart he gave up all hope for it was certain that his friend would come back from his pilgrimage more of a Jew than ever, if the court of Rome was still as he had seen it. 
But Abraham mounted his horse, and at his best speed took the road to Rome, where on his arrival he was wonderfully well received by his co-religionists, and after staying there a good long time he began to study the behavior of the Pope, the cardinals, and other prelates, and of the whole court. But much to his surprise he found out, partly by what passed under his eyes, and partly by what he was told, that all from the Pope downward to the lowest sacristan of St. Peter's were committing the sins of luxurious living in a most disgraceful and unbridled manner, with no remorse and no shame, so that pretty women and handsome youths could obtain any favors they pleased. In addition to this sensuality which they exhibited in public, he saw that they were gluttons and drunkards, so much so that they were more the slaves of the belly than are the greediest of animals. When he looked a little farther, he found them so avaricious and fond of money that they sold for hard cash both human bodies and divine offices, and with less conscience than a man in Paris would sell cloth or any other merchandise, seeing this and much more that it would not be proper to set down here it seemed to abraham himself a chaste sober and upright man that he had seen enough so he resolved to return to paris and carried out the resolution with his usual promptitude jean de sevigny held a great fete in honor of his return although he had lost hope of his coming back converted but he left time for him to settle down before he spoke of anything thinking there would be plenty of time to hear the bad news he expected but after a few days of rest, Abraham himself came to see his friend, and Jean ventured to ask what he thought of the Holy Father, the cardinals, and the other persons at the pontifical court. At these words, the Jew exclaimed, "'God damn them all! I never once succeeded in finding among them any holiness, any devotion, any good works, but on the contrary, luxurious living, avarice, greed, fraud, envy, pride, and even worse, if there is worse.' All the machines seem to be set in motion by an impulse less divine than diabolical. After what I saw, it is my firm conviction that your Pope, and of course the others as well, are using all their talents, art, endeavors, to banish the Christian religion from the face of the earth, though they ought to be its foundation and support. And since, in spite of all the care and trouble they expend to arrive at this end, I see that your religion is spreading every day, and becoming more brilliant and more pure. It is borne in upon me that the Holy Spirit himself protects it as the only true and the most holy religion. This is why, deaf as you found me to your counsel and rebellious to your wish, I am now, ever since I returned from this Sodom, firmly resolved on becoming a Christian. So let us go at once to the church, for I am quite ready to be baptized. There is no need to say if Jean de Sevigny, who expected a refusal, was pleased at this consent. Without delay, he went with his godson to Notre Dame in Paris, where he prayed the first priest he met to administer baptism to his friend, and this was speedily done, and the new convert changed his Jewish name of Abraham into the Christian name of Jean, and as the neophyte, thanks to his journey to Rome, had gained a profound belief, his natural good qualities increased so greatly in the practice of our holy religion that after leading an exemplary life he died in the full odor of sanctity. This tale of Boccaccio's gives so admirable an answer to the charge of irreligion which some might make against us if they mistook our intentions, that, as we shall not offer any other reply, we have not hesitated to present it entire as it stands to the eyes of our readers. And let us never forget that if the papacy has had an Innocent VIII and an Alexander VI, who are its shame, it has also had a Pius VII and a Gregory XVI, who are its honor and glory. End of the epilogue of the Borges. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.